Your Locked On Blue Jackets, your daily podcast on the Columbus Blue Jackets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Blue Jackets fans, happy Friday. Welcome to Locked On Blue Jackets. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am, as always, your host, Jay Foster. And before we get into it, I just want to thank everyone for making this your first listen of the day. Whether you are a first-time listener or a regular listener, I super appreciate you coming to hang out. Locked On Blue Jackets is and always will be free and available on all podcast platforms. So... The Blue Jackets lost last night. Uh, we're not going to talk about that uh, because it's the the same old. I'm going to talk about that next week. Uh, to kick off the end of this week, uh, a couple of weeks ago, I sat down with some of my Locked On colleagues. I sat down with uh, Erica Ayala of Locked On Kraken and Kimmel of Locked On Predators and Rachel Donner of Locked On Flyers. And we talked about... Uh, hockey culture, what's wrong with it, uh, how we can fix it. Um, we talked a little bit about like the fallout of the Blackhawks lawsuit, the Pittsburgh Penguins lawsuit, and just a whole bunch of everything that's wrong in, in hockey culture. Um, so that's, that's what I'm going to share today, uh, part one of the conversation that we had. I think it's a really good conversation. Uh, I'm really proud of it. I think we said a lot of important things in some really uh, insightful and important ways uh, and hopefully you do too. Uh, before we get started this is going to have a trigger warning for um, sexual assault discussions, uh, discussions of rape, domestic violence, uh, all sorts of violence against uh, mo- sometimes women, sometimes men, uh, just a whole host of, of trigger warnings for the the viola part of hockey culture. Um, so if that's something that you're going to struggle with, maybe give this episode a miss. Uh, look after yourselves first. That is more important than my download numbers. Uh, so that's that's that. Uh, and I'm just gonna I'm just gonna get right into it. Hello and welcome to a special edition of Locked On Presents. I am joined by a few hosts from Locked On NHL and we are here to talk uh, roundtable style about hockey's toxic culture. My name is Erica Lindsay Ayala. I am the host of Locked On Kraken. I am joined uh, by Anne Kimmel from Locked On Predators, Jay Foster from Locked On Blue Jackets, and Rachel Donner from Locked On on flyers. We are going to talk about a pretty heavy topic. Wanted to start off just first seeing how everyone's doing, doing a check-in. But Rachel, you are going to take us through a timeline of events. We are going to be talking just a trigger warning about the events happening around the Chicago Blackhawks organization in particular. So Rachel Donner of Locked on Flyers, going to have you get us started. Sure. So in May, a former NHL player who was then known as John Doe One, we now know is Kyle Beach, uh, he sued the Blackhawks for negligence related to incidents where he claims he was sexually assaulted by a video coach for the team at the time, Brad Aldrich. And uh, he 
uh, Kyle said it was a non-consensual circumstance and Aldrich denies that to this day. Then in June, a person who was a high school student at the time in 2010 uh, sued the Blackhawks uh, related to Brad Aldrich because he was assaulted by Brad Aldrich later on and Aldrich had gotten the job through indirectly through a recommendation that the Blackhawks had written for him. Later in June, according to TSN and confirmed by then Blackhawks skills coach Paul Vincent, uh, it was confirmed that a meeting had in fact taken place after Kyle Beach had reported the incident uh, that included Paul Vincent, then GM Stan Bowman, team president John McDonough, VP of Hockey Operations Al McIsaac, uh, Kevin Dayoff, and mental skills coach uh, as well to discuss the allegations. It was in the midst of the playoffs and that Paul Vincent had suggested that they go to the police at the time and that was not followed up on. The team was pressured into conducting an independent investigation after their quote-unquote internal investigation turned up no wrongdoing, as is the case often with internal investigations. And then the results of that investigation by an external law firm were released in the last week of October of this year that basically implicated everybody in that group meeting saying that they ultimately decided that the playoffs were more important than dealing with this incident in the moment and that they would kind of table it until after everything was over. But then they basically didn't do anything and they let Aldrich walk away and his name was etched on the Stanley Cup. And it just, it was looking real bad for the people in that meeting. Um, And then sort of as a result, after the report came out, there were some resignations that came from it. So Stan Bowman and Al McIsaac were kind of forced out with the Blackhawks. And then uh, Joel Quenville, who was also in that meeting and was the coach of the Blackhawks at the time, uh, was forced to resign as head coach of the Florida Panthers. I mean, that's a lot. Um, yeah. So many things, uh, you know, just so many opportunities. It would appear even just from that timeline to get to the bottom of what was happening. And unfortunately, that really didn't happen. And you mentioned the report, um, you know, and I just want to make sure everyone knows what we're talking about. But Jenner and Block put out a report in October of this year, the report to the Chicago Blackhawks hockey team regarding the organization's response to allegations of sexual misconduct by a former coach. And as you mentioned, John Doe one, we should say, um, is, is now we know Kyle beach, but there is also a much younger John Doe whose mother has been outspoken in the media who also, um, had been abused and assaulted. Um, and uh, by Brad Aldridge. Um, and so, and I wanted to have you chime in for a moment here, because I know that in some of the conversations that we as hosts of, uh, as part of the Locked On Network have had, we've all shared our different experiences and reactions to what was happening, but you shared and opened up that you're a mother. And so hearing John Doe too, and uh, his mother speak out 
um, and some of the things that the family overall has been dealing with seem to resonate with you. And so if you could just maybe share some of that perspective with us and and for listeners. Sure. Um, This has been a very difficult story on a number of levels for me personally. Um, They did, uh, there was an interview with Rick Westhead with John Dotu's mother and um, listening to that interview, she shared from her perspective what the experience was like watching her son um, go through this experience and him coming forward and the after effects of this experience. Um, I'm a mom of three. I have two boys that are 19 and 17. So right around this boy's age. And I really struggled uh, watching that video because there is nothing that you won't do for your children. And as moms, we try to set everything up in our life to protect them and to keep them safe. And we work hard to build trust with people. Um, and he, this young man went to a party that ended up not having parental supervision where the assault took place. And it's heartbreaking because as a parent, you want to do everything you can to protect your child and to see them hurt is awful. And then to have to watch them walk through the trauma of an assault like this, um, you know, that mom is never going to be the same, nor is the victim. Uh, So it's been really difficult for me as a parent to hear this story and to realize that there were many opportunities for that young man's safety to be procured had people been proactive and responsible earlier in situations that were had obvious red flags. And that's what makes this conversation so difficult in a lot of ways. Again, not just the timeline with Chicago, but then that Aldridge was uh, left that team and was able to be in a situation where he had um, interaction with John Doe too. And so the responsibility overall um, is something that I have lots of questions about, including how the NHL the Chicago Blackhawks, not just in what was reported and what Rachel ran through, but also since, since the report in October that we have hit on. And so Jay, I wanted to have you chime in and have the open up this part of the conversation. So in the report, there were a lot of different ways that the Chicago Blackhawks could have and should have intervened here, but we're, we're also now left to question where was the NHL in all of this? And since the report um, and since some of the reporting on the report, we have seen Gary Bettman not only hold a press conference, but even uh, as we're recording this, the Hockey Hall of Fame induction ceremony just happened. And Gary Bettman publicly again made uh, some comments. So Jay, can you keep us or or, uh, just kind of bring us up to date on how the NHL has responded, and then what are your thoughts about the NHL's responses? Yeah, to begin with, I so the Blackhawks were fined $2 million. Uh, obviously, Bowman, uh, McIsaac, and uh, Quenville ended up losing their jobs over it. Um, I disagree with the fact that they were allowed to resign, but I kind of understand... Why? Because um, I talked to Sarah Avampato, host of Locked on Kings. She does workplace investigations for her day job and talked about, she talked a little bit about, you know, uh, in contracts like that, 
she would put money on there being, you know, some kind of clause that says, if you fire me, you owe me the rest of the money or you owe me a payout or whatever. So by allowing them to resign, the team doesn't have to pay them anymore. Um, so all of that kind of came out. I was surprised that we got that much. Frankly, I was expecting, you know, oh, well, it was 10 years ago and clearly they're different people, so they should get to keep their jobs, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and then kind of on the, on the back of that, uh, Batman did a kind of press conference slash uh, media availability um, where he talked a lot about how, you know, the Blackhawks failed both Kyle Beach and John Doe too and um, talked about how he supports the victims and offering, you know, like he made a blanket statement to help uh, victims of uh, sexual assault or abuse and then turned around and when he was asked you know are you going to pay for therapy or for health insurance for John Doe too who is still you know suffering this horrific kind of psychological backlash as a result of being assaulted as a teenager he was like well I would need to know more about the case and I'm like well what like there was a 107 page report like what more what more investigating do you really kind of have to do about this um Coming up a minute, I've got more of my conversation from this roundtable, but first I've got to tell you about Built Bar. Because the holidays are here, so this holiday season, grab the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, or even better than a candy bar. Built Bar is filled with so much holiday goodness, rich with flavour, covered in chocolate, amazingly low in calories, sugar, net carbs, and fat, and high in protein. You get the best of both worlds, delicious and healthy. There's so many flavours, you will have a hard time choosing. Are you going to have mint brownie, or raspberry, cherry or double chocolate, cookies and cream, or peanut butter brownie? Want to cozy up with something warm? Here's a holiday secret. Dip your Built Bar into a piping hot cup of cocoa, let it melt a little bit, and give your beverage a bit of that Built Bar flavor. Plus, you have a nice melty Built Bar to go with it, but make sure you have a couple of napkins on hand. How about uh, Built Bar Puffs? Do you like marshmallowy treats around the holidays? Then you need to get your hand on Built Bar Puffs. They are light, fluffy, and marshmallowy through and through. Different flavors, all covered in chocolate. Tastes so good, you won't believe that they're filled with protein. And here's the best bit. Go to Built.com, use promo code LOCKED15 and get 15% off your order. Once again, that is promo code LOCKED15, L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5, for 15% off at Built.com. I've also got to tell you about Stance, because I don't know about you, but I've been hearing a lot about Stance apparel recently, especially because they've just launched a new line of active apparel. Plus, it's holiday gifting time, and Stance is the coolest gift you could give. Their shirts, socks, joggers, and hoodies are incredibly comfortable and well-made. They're real different from the boring old socks, underwear, and apparel that we'd always have to sell for back in the day. Stance have changed that mindset by offering colour, comfort, and creativity like no other. Founded in 2009, Stance Apparel represents a radical reinvention of socks, underwear, and active apparel. With a sharp focus on comfort, quality, and creativity, Stance brings an atypical aesthetic along with some of pop culture's hottest collaborators for the ultimate in style and self-expression, because everything you wear should be a direct extension of who you are and how you feel. Now, if you've been with the show for a while, you know I have a lot of opinions about Star Wars, and I cannot get enough of Stance's Star Wars collaborations. They've got socks, hoodies, underwear. It's all super soft, super great. I love the designs. Uh, I can't get enough of them. And other people are always asking me where I get my cool t-shirts from. And I gotta say, it's Stance. 
Stans believes that the perfect fit matters more than fitting in. Those who feel good, do good. Go see for yourself. Register for an account at stance.com and get 15% off your first purchase. Use promo code LOCKEDON at checkout to apply. Enjoy the colour and comfort of a life less ordinary with Stance. Once again, that is stance.com. Promo code LOCKEDON. Welcome back to Locked On Blue Jackets. Thank you once again for making us your first listen of the day. We are free and available on all podcast platforms, and I appreciate you checking us out. Since then, it's kind of come out that, okay, he's... The, the NHL has said we're going to leave that to the Blackhawks to decide whether or not they should pay for John Doe 2 to get uh, therapy. Blackhawks have said, yes, we'll pay for both him and Kyle Beach's uh, therapy. Um, and, you know, we are committed to making a difference and making it better. And kind of what they're saying publicly and what they're saying privately are very different. Um, so Rick Westhead, who, by the way, shout out to uh, Rick Westhead and uh, Katie Strang, both of whom have done a phenomenal job reporting on this when, you know, national media was just not paying attention. You know, it was, I think, um, maybe three or four of the national media people even acknowledged that this was happening. You know, we got nothing, basically nothing from, you know, uh, guys like Bob McKenzie or um, Elliot Friedman said very little on the on the fact until it all came out in this, in this report. Um, but, you know, phenomenal reporting from uh, Rick Westhead and Katie Strang and some of the Blackhawks uh, reporters as well, uh, I thought, did a, did a really good job reporting on this. Um, but so uh, Rick Westhead has since come out and while the Blackhawks and the NHL are being, uh, saying, you know, we are going to support uh, Cal Beach and John Doe too and we want to make this kind of a, as amicable as possible. Uh, in public, in private, uh, apparently that's not quite what's happening. They are, you know, throwing a lot of uh, debris on the track, shall we say. You know, they're making it as difficult as possible. They talked about how um, if they wanted, before uh, John Doe 2 could get the, the therapy, they wanted to look at his financial records and his medical records and his school records, because obviously... If someone has straight A's in high school, then that clearly means that they don't deserve therapy or, you know, something along those lines. And so it's just kind of been a very one-sided, uh, yeah, we're going to help, but actually we don't want to pay any money or acknowledge any wrongdoing um, to the point where this was just recently, I think yesterday, uh, it came out. Uh, Susan Loggins, who is the attorney for uh, Kyle Beach and I believe for, for John Doe too, uh, came out and she asked Gary Bettman to personally mediate these talks because she felt like they were going nowhere. And uh, I believe as of earlier this afternoon uh, slash morning for for you guys, I'm a, a couple hours couple hours ahead of the the news cycle over here. Um, but uh, as of earlier today, it was announced through an employee through an employee of the NHL that Gary Bettman uh, quote respectfully declines uh, the request to mediate these talks, which kind of feels a little bit like, well, I've done my bit. Um, and I think that is kind of to just kind of wrap up everything I just kind of uh, talked about. The the whole thing has been just passing the buck from one person to another. Stan Bowman blamed his bosses. Joel Quenville blamed his bosses. Uh, Kevin Cheveldayoff escaped any kind of punishment or like, not like accountability because he was only the assistant GM. 
uh, and therefore couldn't possibly have any sort of responsibility about this. Um, the Blackhawks have tried to pass the buck to the NHL. The NHL has said, well, no, it's the Blackhawks' fault. The NHLPA has kind of, and I'm sure we'll talk about that in a minute, the NHLPA was like, well, we reported it. We assumed that someone would do, someone else would do something. And that's kind of been the, the theme of this whole horrible story has been, well, we assumed someone else would say something. Yeah, and just like long, deep sigh, like to all of it. Um, it's, I almost want to use the word unbelievable, but as we're going to talk about and why we've entitled the roundtable as we have, like this is a, a toxic culture. And unfortunately, this is the latest in a long line of things where we've seen hockey and certainly the NHL miss the opportunity at minimum, at minimum, miss the opportunity to create a safe environment, a professional work environment, and to be upfront and forthright with the fact that there are people that are perpetuating a toxic culture. But one thing that I was thinking about while Jay was talking, and I want to open this up to the group is, and, and I want to be careful how I say this, um, because of why we're looking at report cards for John Doe too. But I wonder if, if y'all have any thoughts on the difference of the conversation when it was John Doe and a 107 page report versus Kyle Beach and a 107 page report. Um, is there, has there been a difference throughout the timeline that Rachel walked us through? Yeah, hundred um, percent. And this was again, um, I believe it was on the Steve Dangle podcast. Um, Request Head was on there, and he talked about how, you know, when <clears throat> excuse me, when Luke Prokop came out, which I'm sure we're going to talk about in in a minute in terms of you know hockey is for everyone, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, um, the response was incredible, you know. Once there was a, a name to it, the NHL was all about it. And it kind of, when you look at this, when it was John Doe, no one cared. You know, no NHL players spoke out. No media seemed to really care. As soon as you put a name to the the suffering and the abuse and you put a face to it and you put Kyle Beach on national TV, you know, breaking down in tears and apologizing to this 16-year-old, which, by the way, was the most genuine apology to John Doe 2 from the person that has the least to apologize for. Um, yes. But, yeah, once you put a name to it, suddenly you've got people coming out and saying, oh, well, we support Kyle Beach. And I think that is kind of representative of how the NHL does things. It's very much, oh, well this happens to some people, not not us, but this happens to some people. And then as soon as you put a name to it, it's, oh, okay, well, we have to, we have to face this. You know, there were uh, people still playing in the NHL now who were teammates of Kyle Beach. There are people who are working in the broadcast side of things, people who are working in the media who were teammates, friends of, of Kyle Beach. And I think that's, yeah, like you say, once once the name is out there, it's it's um it's impossible for people to 
not talk about it. Um, and I'm going to let someone else talk in a minute, but just kind of on the, on the flip side of that, now that Kyle Beach has been named, I hear very little about John Doe 2. And that's, that's not okay. Because just because he doesn't want to tell the world his name doesn't mean he is less deserving of kind of the the support and the love the the majority of the hockey world has shown Kyle Beach since he kind of told his story. In a minute I've got a little bit more of my conversation with Erica, Anne and Rachel but first I want to tell you about Bet Online because they've got you covered all season with more props, odds and lines than ever before as Football season continues their march to the playoffs. The NHL season continues their march to the playoffs. But online remains your number one spot for all of the sports action this season. Head to their new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today. Receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use promo code Locked On or one word to receive your bonus from basketball, football, NHL, boxing, UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports. Once again, that is promo code locked on or one word L O C K E D O N at betonline.ag. Bet online, where the game starts. Yeah, I, I want to tack on to that on two of the points you were making, Jay. The first of which is sort of that toxic hockey culture aspect of it because I really did to your point Erica feel like there was a huge momentum shift or a paradigm shift when Kyle Beach's name came out and his interview came out that putting a human face and real human emotions on that story just really brought it to the forefront in a way that the name John Doe one and words on paper while powerful just could not do on their own. And literally everybody in hockey was talking about it at that point. And, and nobody cared about the games and nobody w- was focused on, Oh, just play the game. This is a side issue. Everybody was focused on Kyle and his story and what can we do to help him and support him and people who could potentially be in his position in the future. And then that in, I hesitate to use the word enthusiasm, but the focus um, definitely dropped when the interview of John Doe 2's mother came out, which to me was equally as powerful and equally as damning, but yet the focus, um, at least from, you know, my little world of hockey Twitter was, was not there in the same way. And it was, I think equally as upsetting that it wasn't there in, in two ways. Number one, the media focus where it was like all of these other media outlets had jumped on the Kyle beach story and maybe just the usual suspects were continuing to follow the story and have continued to follow the story. It's really only a few reporters that have followed up in the, in the last couple of weeks. The other aspect of it with the toxic hockey culture is that you look at the players who were on the Blackhawks or around the Blackhawks at the time who were interviewed after Kyle Beach's interview came out, your Jonathan Taves, your Duncan Keith, other players who were there at the time, um, apologetic, you know, in terms of what Kyle Beach went through, but also defending Stan Bowman. I mean, Jonathan Taves defending Stan Bowman after that interview came out was one of the most like, 
egregious things of cognitive dissonance I have ever seen. And, but that's so, un- yeah, it, it was absolutely something that you are not surprised by, given how anytime things like this come up, whether it's an issue of racism or homophobia or transphobia or something in the world of hockey, everything closes in. And we protect our own and we protect the brand and we protect the logo in front and we don't care about the name on the back. And, you know, and we, we've heard again so much about um, the importance or the, I like actually how Rachel put it, the paradigm shift that happened when we had the name Kyle Beach. However, if we step even outside of sexual assault um, and abuse in the NHL. Let's just stay in the NHL for a moment. There have been other former NHL players. Uh, There have been names attached to coaches who have perpetuated violence, actual names. And, And yet, and still, here we are having conversations about another time where, again, the sport was not taking care of its own. Uh, a sport that prides itself on being communal because it's a sport that's up and coming and growing, certainly in the United States as comparative to Canada, uh, a sport that is all about family and, and, and whatnot, or so we're led to believe. And yet here we are in situations where we could even stay just in Chicago, right? And how Chicago, as I came into the network on the hockey side of things, Chicago opted to have a uh, uh, entire like stage full of women who apparently they just hired. I had no idea that half of those women were in the organization. Don't recall getting uh, a press release on it either, but had a, a, an entire stage of women there. Why? Because of other things that were happening in the news with that very organization. So yes, the name having Kyle Beach's name, but we've had other names, Akeem Aliu, as an example. And that's kind of all I've got for you today. Uh, tomorrow we're going to be doing a uh, Saturday podcast drop uh, with some more of this conversation where we get a little bit more in-depth about hockey culture in general uh, as opposed to just the Blackhawks lawsuit. Um, so all of the, the trigger warnings will apply to tomorrow's episode as well, but that's that's going to be tomorrow's episode. Um, and then... Monday we will talk about uh, the Ducks game and the Seattle game uh, because we play Seattle on Saturday night. So we'll talk about those two games. Hopefully we'll be talking about at least one win, but who knows. Um, I've been Jay Foster. You can find me on Twitter at underscore Jacob Foster, J-A-K-O-B-F-O-R-S-T-E-R. You can find this podcast at LO underscore Blue Jackets. If you have comments, questions, criticisms, you can email me at lock.bluejackets at gmail.com. And stay safe until tomorrow. Make sure you stay locked on.